We're all looking for ways to save, especially on medical bills. But where do you start? Unless you're a medical bill expert, finding savings can seem impossible. Well, HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance and flags errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. So start saving with knowing where to look. Visit HealthLock.com today before you see another healthcare provider. That's HealthLock.com. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Welcome to The Brink, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. Wendy's built its name on quality fast food, but when founder Dave Thomas retired, they found a hole big enough for a drive through in their profits. Dave came back to turn his company around, becoming a commercial superstar in the process. But once he passed away, would Wendy's once again jump out of the pan and into the fryer without their visionary founder to lead the way? We'll find out where's the beef with Wendy's on the brink. Hi, I'm Jonathan. And I'm Ariel. And uh, today's episode is not just about Wendy's, a famous fast food chain. It's also a listener suggestion. Yes. Thank you, Emily, for suggesting it to us. So uh, Wendy's uh, obviously a a well-known franchise here in North America. Mm-hmm. I assume, Ariel, you have eaten at a Wendy's upon occasion? I have. I've been I've been watching my waistline a little bit, so not recently, though I have been craving it something fierce since we started working on this episode. <laughs> what <laughs> about you? It's been a long time since I've eaten at a Wendy's for many of the same reasons in that I have limited all my fast food consumption quite a bit. It's rare whenever I go to one. It's usually out of necessity. But Wendy's has always been one of those where I felt like I was... I was usually pretty certain I was going to get what I wanted, Mm -hmm. like as far as quality goes. Yeah, yeah. They used to have the best French fries, in my personal opinion. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm more of a rally slash checkers kind of guy. But uh, also, also Arby's curly fries. But we'll talk about Mm, Arby's a bit later in this episode. (laughs) So to, to kind of explain what Dave Thomas's impact was on his business, it helps if we do a little bit of a look back at his history. And, yeah. and to know where he came from and sort of 
how the franchise came to be and then how it sort of ended up on a couple of different brink moments, mm-hmm. as it turns out. So yeah. Dave Thomas was born July 2nd, 1932. He was Rex David Thomas, uh, which I think would have been interesting if he had gone by Rex instead of Dave. I have a friend whose child's name is Rex. Yeah. Uh, is it, I, I don't have anything against the name. I just wonder if things would have turned out differently. How much would that shape a person? But Dave Thomas had a, an emotionally challenging childhood. He never knew his birth mother. He was adopted by a couple in Kalamazoo, Michigan. And his adoptive mother passed away when he was just five years old. His adoptive father would remarry twice, but uh, he lost both his stepmothers as well at a young age. Yeah. So he ended up spending a a good amount of time with his adoptive grandmother, Minnie Thomas. And in fact, uh, a lot of stories say that Minnie is the one who kind of instilled his uh, ethics Mm -hmm. that he would follow for the rest of his life. Yeah. In the 40s. His family moved to Fort Wayne, Indiana, which apparently uh, Dave Thomas liked a lot, or at least he wasn't too eager to leave it. As a teenager, he found work doing lots of different types of jobs. He would end up working at a restaurant called Hobby House when he was 15. And when his family was getting ready to move again, he didn't want to go. So instead of going with his family, he decided he was going to work full time and he dropped out of school in 10th grade. Yeah. Now, he wouldn't get his his high school diploma till I think he was in his 60s. Yeah. Uh, and he even went to his senior prom with his wife. So this is after his kids were born and everything. It's both adorable and, and one of those nice quirky things about yeah. the story. Yeah. So after that, Dave went to serve in the U.S. Army. During the Korean War, unlike a lot of our stories where someone serves in the Army during World War One or World War Two, Yeah. Uh, it's more modern than that, obviously. And then he returned back to Fort Wayne after the war and went back to work at the Hobby House. Yep. He met his future wife, Lorraine Buskirk, there. They started dating. And by 1954, they decided to make it official. They tied the knot. Aw. And uh, his boss at Hobby House was a guy named Phil Klaus who had picked up a few locations in a different fast food restaurant franchise, one known as Kentucky Fried Chicken. But he was having trouble with mm-hmm. a few of those locations. They weren't turning around profit the way they should. Uh, they were in Columbus, Ohio. And so Klaus looks at Dave and he says, hey, how would you like the chance to, to go to Ohio, see if you can turn things around for me? And Dave says, sure. So in 1962, he does. He makes a lot of changes. He trims down the menu. Mm-hmm. And he introduced the bucket of chicken, which became very, very popular. Yeah, iconic. I'm not a huge fan. I, hey, you know what? I have some fond memories of coming home with a bucket of chicken. Also, there were more than a few KFCs that would use a giant rotating bucket as sort of the mm-hmm. the icon to call people to yeah. the restaurant. I mean, we also have other equally impressive eyesores for KFC here in Atlanta. We do. We've we got do. the big chicken. That uh, is, he is adorable. The big chicken is adorable. Yeah, it's also a landmark to the point where people will say you got to turn past the big chicken. <laughs> so if you if you are in the Atlanta area, you know what we're talking about. At this point, we've got Dave working with KFC. Uh, In fact, he even uh, became sort of, I guess, work friends with the colonel himself, Mm -hmm. Colonel Sanders. And he was able to get these restaurants turned around. He was able to to get get them all profitable by 1968. And in fact, these were franchises that were owned 
by Phil Klaus, right? And, mm-hmm. and Dave was put in charge of them. But what he was able to do was not just turn them around, but then sell them back to Kentucky Fried Chicken headquarters for a tidy profit, a profit that to, to the tune of one and a half million dollars. That's, that's mighty tidy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that gave him some uh, money that he could play with. Yeah. So uh, apparently he had been complaining that he couldn't find a good burger anywhere in Ohio where he was at the time. And so he made his own restaurant. Mm-hmm. In 1969, he opened up the very first Wendy's named after his youngest child, who was not actually named Wendy. No, her name was Melinda Lou. She had the nickname Wendy. Yeah. And Wendy's grew quickly, as well as opening stores in Canada and Mexico. By 1979, they had 1,500 franchises. Yeah, so in a decade, going Mm -hmm. from one flagship store to 1,500. This was also, I mean, obviously, this was the very early era of fast food franchises, right? Yeah. This was sort of... The idea was catching on. It was incredibly popular. People liked the idea that no matter where they went, like if you went on a road trip with your family, mm-hmm. you knew when you saw that familiar sign what kind of food you were going to get. Yeah, yeah. And Dave actually instilled a, a bunch of firsts into the fast food industry, like a drive through window. I have it in my fun facts, but mm-hmm. I'll mention it now. Yeah. Yeah, he was the first one to at least implement the modern, what we would consider the current drive through window. Obviously, mm. there have been changes in technology. Right. But the idea of not even having to get out of your car in order to place an order, pay for the order, and drive off with your yeah. food, it was sort of the zeitgeist. It was the perfect time because you had a culture that was becoming more and more car-centric as people were taking these trips. You had the interstate system that had connected lots of cities that previously it was really hard to travel between. Mm-hmm. And so this was sort of catering to a new culture in America. Yeah. And they were doing so well that in 1975, they actually listed themselves. They listed 1 million shares at $28 a pop on the NASDAQ. In 1981, they moved to the New York Stock Exchange, and eventually they would move back to the NASDAQ again. Yeah. And then in 1982, after accomplishing so much— Dave Thomas decided he wanted to retire. Wendy's was doing really well at the time. They were growing by about 500 locations a year. Mm -hmm. Everything seemed to go well until about 1985, where they hit $76 million in sales. Uh, This was also, by the way, the time when the Where's the Beef commercial came out. That was 1984. Uh, 1985, actually, the actress who would do the Where's the Beef commercials would end up no longer doing commercials for Wendy's. She got fired, right? Yeah, she did a commercial for Prego, and then she, Mm. without saying where's the beef, she said, I finally found it. Uh, So that that meant that, you know, Wendy's, obviously, the management felt that she had leveraged the popularity and brand of Wendy's to sell someone else's stuff. I get that. I could could see how they'd feel that way. Well, after making this $76 million in sales— Management got a little bit cocky, mm-hmm. and they started cutting corners, and they introduced a breakfast menu, which I don't think was a bad an- idea in and of itself, Right. exception of the fact that it just it didn't go over well. There are still some Wendy's that serve breakfast, but mm-hmm. it's not— It's not—it's not, it's not franchise-wide. No, and it's hard to find them. Mm-hmm. Between this super-fast growth they're having and their failed breakfast menu and the corners they cut, by December of that year— 20% of their stores were near bankruptcy. Ugh. Yeah, and they had $4.9 million in losses in 1986. So this is 
an incredible turnaround here, right? Mm-hmm. You've got a, a company that's doing so well that they're adding 500 stores per year. They're having incredible revenue. It shows this is one of those brink moment lessons where they, by cutting corners, they've made their foundation less stable by introducing a breakfast menu and not really taking the time to get it right. They have uh, bet on something that ended up being an expensive lesson, Mm -hmm. and they've overextended themselves at the same time. They grew too far too quickly. And so, you know, having a fifth of your stores near bankruptcy is super bad mojo. Yeah. Some some reports say that Dave Thomas looked at this and said they've lost focus on the customer, which is what, you know, the customer and the quality, which is what made us a a neck above the rest. Mm -hmm. Ahead above the rest? At least ahead. At least ahead. Maybe a neck as well. Yeah. Anyhow, Dave put uh, Jim Neer in charge of Wendy's at that time to turn it around, and Jim Neer did a good job. He improved operations, everything from food prep to customer service to the menu. And he made Wendy's successful again for 16 years. Yeah. So we see here where Dave actually kind of helps guide the company back on course by making this this change in management Mm -hmm. where – We're bringing management more in line with the original vision of the company. So yet again, another break lesson that we see over and over again, that whole succession planning element. Well, then Jim does something really revolutionary. Mm. I don't know if revolutionary is the right word. He does something really, really smart and really interesting, which is— He does something that everyone thought was impossible because Dave had retired. Yes. He convinced Dave Thomas to unretire— Mm-hmm. In 1989, and a part of the agreement for Dave Thomas coming back is that he would be the face of the TV ads mm-hmm. for the company. And he was really awkward because he wasn't an actor. Yeah, he came across as as a bit of a not a total doofus, but there was a little doof yeah, in his in his manner. But here's the thing: the general populace loved that. They thought he, he was his unpolished demeanor and gave him a down-home feel. Yeah, it felt like it was genuine, like you Mm -hmm. were seeing the real person there. It wasn't like some slick executive who was, you know, used to talking to the public and reading off of a bullet list of points and then just selling you snake oil. It felt like it was the real deal. Yeah, very trustworthy. A lot of people attribute his his being in these commercials being the thing that really turned around Wendy's mm-hmm. and made it successful. Some people kind of overlook Jim Neer's participation in that. Yeah, they're looking at the forward-facing, easily identifiable. Yeah. Now, certainly Dave Thomas played a, a very important part in this as well. But, mm-hmm. yes, we can't ignore the fact that Jim Neer was the guy who was actually calling these shots. Yeah. Now, in his lifetime, Dave started over 800 commercials. For Wendy's. Yeah, clearly it struck a chord. Yeah, yeah. Now in 1995. <laughs> this is an interesting story too because this this would – 95 is where we start seeing decisions that would indicate where the future of Wendy's was going. I mean it's the past for us but yeah. at the time where the future of Wendy's was going and it would be a rocky path. In yeah. 95, that's when they gained the majority ownership of a different fast food chain, and not just a fast food chain, but a coffee chain, a famous Canadian coffee chain. Yeah. Tim Hortons. Tim Hortons. It is synonymous with the Canadian experience, I think. I mean, everyone talks about Tim Hortons in Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a, a deal that was valued at $580 million. Wow, sir. And it was one of those that caused a bit of a kerfuffle in Canada because of an American company coming in and mm-hmm. acquiring a Canadian company. And there was a real legit fear 
that the American company was going to mess things up. Yes. Despite that, Wendy's continued to do well. Mm-hmm. Uh, by 2001, they had over 6,000 restaurants. Yep. But they were also just at a pivotal moment in the company's history, which we will explain after we come back from this break. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep experts. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. We're up to 2002. We did a a quick run-through of the history Mm -hmm. because we had to know how the company kind of escalated and and grew so big. And then the little early signs of trouble in the 80s. Yeah, little brink brink moments. Yeah, a brinkette, if you will. Oh, I like that. Uh, But in 2002, there was a moment that really was a big deal for the company. Yeah, Yeah. Dave Thomas passed away from cancer at the age of 69. Mm -hmm. I, as a consumer, was really sad. I loved his commercials. I loved Wendy's. He wasn't making the commercials for the fame. Yeah, obviously not. Yeah. yeah. He never seemed to come across as someone who who specifically 
uh, wanted or welcomed the attention. No. He had to be convinced to do the commercials in the yeah. first place. And he said, I'll do them as long as they're effective. Once they're not effective, I'm done. He says, this is a, a strategy for us to help make the store successful. Mm-hmm. And if that stops, then I'm I'm finished. They still they had a lot of shot commercials that mm-hmm. had not yet aired when he passed away. Yeah. I wonder if they knew about his cancer because they they sort of had a plan in place yeah. for his eventual passing. So what they did was they took all of the commercials they had recently filmed with Dave mm-hmm. and took him out of them. Yeah. And then any of the older commercials they just stopped running. Mm-hmm. They were planning to make commercials that felt like Dave Thomas without showing him. Right. And they did this by mainly just showing their food. Yeah. They'd have someone talking and they'd just show pretty pictures of their food. Right. So they – I think this was absolutely the right move to make. Obviously not trying to leverage the beloved founder of a franchise and Mm -hmm. and after his passing. That would have been terrible. It would have been horrible PR, but it also just would have been horrible, period. Yeah. And so that was a wise decision they made to to go to these uh, lengths. This ad campaign cost them $300 million, mm-hmm. $10 million of which they spent on bilingual ads to expand their Hispanic markets. Mm-hmm. So also another smart move. This goes back to when we talk about succession planning because it's really important to make plans for your future leaders. And because they had an idea of what they, where they wanted to go once Dave was no longer doing commercials, they were still able to see profits and increase stock shares after his passing. I mean, obviously, it was a sad event. Mm -hmm. But the company itself wasn't thrown into turmoil because there had been these plans. Yes. No, turmoil was coming, and that was largely because there was this also at the same time, this real desire to grow as quickly as possible. This comes also in line with it being a publicly traded company. We've talked about this many times on The Brink, where when you are a publicly traded company and you're answering to shareholders, shareholders expect a return on their investment. The way that return tends to be measured is in growth. Mm -hmm. It's not in how much you made year over year. It's how much did you grow this year compared to last year. So how did they grow? Well, in 2002, they decided to make another acquisition, and that would be the Baja Fresh Mexican Grill chain of restaurants for $275 million. And it's important that we remember that amount. It's going to come back in just a minute. Okay. It'll be— 275 million. 275 million. I'll be asking you. 275 million. 275 million. Okay, I got it. <laughs> All right. Now, in 2006, Wendy's would spin off Tim Hortons. Uh, this was actually a fairly complicated decision that they made. Part of it was that it let them focus more on the Wendy's brand specifically. For another, it would mean creating a return for those shareholders who had been investing in the company. Uh, Tim Hortons was doing really well at this point. Wendy's was starting to struggle a bit. Mm -hmm. So the Wendy's operations were not bringing in quite as much money as they had been. Tim Hortons was still a very strong performer. And so in order to turn Wendy's around while not ignoring Tim Hortons, they thought, well, we'll spin off the company and we'll focus more on our core uh, group of stores. So... They sold off their ownership of the company onto the stock market so shareholders could buy stocks that had previously been owned by the Wendy's company. And that put Tim Hortons at a valuation of $4.7 billion. Golly. Yeah, not bad. They had spent $580 million to buy it, and it was valued at $4.7 billion. Tim Hortons would do a, a company reorganization and then eventually would become a Canadian company again, but 
wait till we get to fun facts yeah. about that. Yeah. Okay. So Wendy's at the same time, because they were struggling, were looking into cost-saving measures. So mm-hmm. they wanted to cut costs by about $100 million. So one of the things they did was offered a bunch of employees, 175, which when you think about the fact that they have all of these different locations. It's actually a pretty small it's number. It's a pretty small number. I'm sure not to those 175, though. But they offered them an early retirement package. Yeah, so they could elect to take this early retirement package and get a, a payout. Yeah. I'm sure this was largely in sort of administrative and manager and, you know, like probably mm-hmm. those sort of roles, not so much the frontline yeah. employees. But it was only about half of the employees that they would cut. So they actually cut 350 jobs as opposed to 175. Still yeah. not huge in the grand scheme of things. But it was an example of how Wendy's was going to have to start making some changes. Yes. And also in 2006, here's where that number comes back. Wendy's would sell off Baja Fresh Mexican Grill. Remember, they just bought it a few years mm-hmm. earlier. How much did they buy it for? $275 million, that, and that's not just because it's in the notes. Yeah, but uh, they would end up selling it for $31 million. So that's not as much, no. if my math holds true. I, I think my math matches your math yeah, there. Yeah, being an English major, I sometimes worry about this. It turns out you can't really celebrate a loss of more than $240 million. Yeah. And Baja Fresh would end up being purchased by a group of investors who also owned Cinnabon and Sweet Factory candy stores. So why can't I get tacos at my Cinnabon? <laughs> yeah, I don't know that you want to get a fish taco and a Cinnabon <laughs> together, but I mean, Listen, maybe you do. Don't judge my life. <laughs> well, and this is also one of those points where I think it's interesting to to realize that kind of like the world of beer, the world of, of especially fast food mm-hmm. restaurants is a complicated one that tends to be dominated by a few very large companies that own lots of different properties. Well, and, and the thing is, unless you really follow that industry, you don't necessarily know about all of these acquisitions. Yeah, and you might say like, oh, well, I'll never eat at X restaurant because I disagree with blah, blah, blah. I'm going to go eat at Y restaurant. And you might not even realize that both X and Y are owned by the same parent company. Well, in 2007, Wendy's closed its original Wendy's location in Ohio. Mm -hmm. A little unfun fact, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, The store just hadn't been doing well. Yeah, it was one of those where it's just, you know, the revenues weren't performing very well. It had been going for a very long time, largely because... You know, it had a, a long history. with yeah. it, it was the original Wendy's. But, yeah, it just got to a point where it just didn't make sense to operate as a business anymore. That, that was a, a smart move. You know, don't let sentiment affect your business decisions. Mm-hmm. And in 2008, we have Nelson Peltz coming in. Nelson Peltz, we could probably do a full episode on Peltz because this is a billionaire investor who's had a really big impact on business, but doesn't tend to get the same sort of coverage hmm. as some other billionaires do, especially like investor activists that we talk about occasionally on this show. So he has an investment company. Uh, Triarch actually was from a previous company that he had purchased, but he acquires Wendy's for $2.3 billion. He had previously invested in Wendy's. But this was an actual acquisition. Triarch, by the way, we could also do an episode on them. They have a, a really interesting history. It started out as the Diesel Wemmer Gilbert Group, or DWG, and it already owned a different fast food franchise at the time when Triarch acquired Wendy's, and that fast food franchise is Arby's. Arby's. Yeah, so Wendy's and Arby's would join forces, and so the company became known as the Wendy's slash Arby's Group. 
and it moved its corporate headquarters from Ohio to right here in Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah, it's really near me, and I've never gone there to see if I could actually get an Arby's sandwich. Um, I seriously doubt that. But, I mean, you I don't know. There is, there is a Wendy's right across the street from it. Well, um, probably a remnant from the old days. I never knew that Wendy's and Arby's were the same company. Well, and spoiler alert, they aren't anymore. But yes, that was a a surprise to me as well. Because again, like I said, you know, you look at the history of these companies and you see how many of them have been paired together at some point Mm -hmm. or another. Well, in 2010, things are still looking kind of rough. So Wendy's tries to do something a little interesting. They make an agreement with the Wenris Restaurant Group Limited to open 200 combination stores in Russia as a part of their international expansion mm-hmm. to help bolster their not amazing U.S. sales. Maybe you could get a, a chicken Kiev sandwich in Russia. That would be pretty baller. Yeah. 2011, Wendy's slash Arby's group announces the company plans to sell off the majority share of Arby's. So it didn't last too long, right? (laughs) Just five years. Yeah. Uh, This was, again, in an effort to focus more on Wendy's. So remember when they spun off Tim Hortons, it was the same thing, right? Like they were saying... Well, we really need to focus on on Wendy's. Arby's had been something of an anchor, actually. Uh, this time, it wasn't because Arby's was doing well and Wendy's wasn't. It was that Wendy's was doing all right, but Arby's was starting to really yeah. struggle. So they decided they would sell it off, and the Arby's had been operating at a, a loss of $35 million that year. So a company called the Rourke Capital Group swooped in to buy up most of Arby's, uh, the Wendy's slash Arby's group, maintained some ownership for a short while, and it also renamed itself again. Now it was just the Wendy's company. Yeah. By 2018, they finally sold off their remaining interest in Arby's for $450 million. Yeah. Now, Arby's also went through a whole bunch of changes and started the We've Got the Meats campaign, which has, I think, made them pretty popular again. Yeah. They also have been mentioned numerous times as jokes uh, by folks like Stephen Colbert. Arby's also has a long-running joke uh, relationship with the Welcome to Night Vale podcast, mm-hmm. which I don't want to spoil for anybody. But if you haven't yeah. listened to that podcast, you should go check that it, out. It is a lot of fun. Wendy's and Arby's, I'm going to put this little fun fact in here, they both have really, really funny Twitter accounts. Yes. So. Yes, they, they, they've done very well as far as uh, hiring good social media managers. Yeah. yeah, this would be part of Wendy's upcoming revitalization strategy. Also in 2011, they moved their stock back to the NASDAQ from the New York Stock Exchange, and they moved their corporate headquarters back to Dublin, Ohio, pretty close to where their original restaurant opened. Mm-hmm. Um, a few years after that, they opened a new flagship restaurant there, which has a Dave Thomas sort of museum. That's sweet. Yeah, you can see some of the history as well as some up-and-coming new innovations and inventions. Yeah, so you can test out some stuff that may or may not ever get rolled out to other Wendy's restaurants mm-hmm. around the world. It makes me think a little bit we have here in Atlanta the Waffle House Museum, that's in essentially the location where the very first Waffle House was. I didn't know about that. Yeah, the, you you can't actually get any food there. It's a museum, oh. but it is right across the street from an actual Waffle House. It's off of College Avenue. I'll show you sometime. Okay. It's near where I live. Okay. But we'll have to do a Waffle House episode at some point. All right. That'll be— Man, little, I'm getting hungry. <laughs> yeah, all right. Well, you know what? Let's, let's, we're going to take a quick snack break. You guys are going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. 
Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S., That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash iHeart. That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. So we left off in 2011. What happens next? Well, in 2012, Wendy's underwent a brand transformation to, in an effort to make their locations more current and pleasant to visit to attract the current market of people who are buying fast food. Mm-hmm. A lot of fast food joints were doing this, updating their sit-down locations, installing things like cafes and such. This was getting to a point where people were starting to feel like all these fast food chain restaurants were looking more or less the same. They had different Mm -hmm. color schemes, but otherwise the layout was all the same. You might have like a 
somewhat questionable looking playground area. Yeah, yeah. And that's about it. Yeah. Well, also as a part of their brand transformation, they upped their advertising and digital media presence game. Mm -hmm. So this is where that Twitter feed starts coming in. Yes. And then we got a new logo in 2013. The first logo change in 30 years for Wendy's. Now, they're still updating all of these locations. They obviously couldn't do them all in a year. Yeah, they couldn't just (laughs) – on one given day, everyone takes down all the signage and puts new signage up. Although they do renovate 500 to 600 stores a year. That's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And then by 2013, these changes seem to be working because – Wendy's was named the stock of the year by Yahoo Finance. They were clearly able to start turning things around. I'm very curious about this because I did not come across this in my research. What is the system optimization initiative? Well, it basically means that they're selling off restaurants that aren't doing well. They're basically trying to make sure that their footprint is meeting regional demands. Oh, I see. So if they might have too many restaurants in one particular region and mm-hmm. neither restaurant is – let's say we got – we talked about this with uh, Radio Shack, right? Yeah. You put them too close together and you start cutting into the revenues of the stores. You're, you're having the number of customers each store gets. And so your, your costs remain the same, yeah. but your revenues are low. Then you say, all right, well, we have to close this restaurant because this one other restaurant will meet all the demand. Meanwhile, in another market, you might say, we need to open up another one here because mm-hmm. we can't meet the demand that we're facing in that place. Yeah, and and their goal for this was actually to develop predictable revenues. Mm-hmm. So if you've got three restaurants in two square miles, one might do well one month, one might do well the next month, and one might do well the month after. So if you close it down to one, that one store is going to have – predictable, decent revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that just would help them plan and budget better. They also started selling more of their company-owned restaurants to franchisers. So these became more independent stores that would have the franchise fee paid back to headquarters, mm-hmm. but it would be run by the actual uh, owners. Yeah. Yes. And they also were starting to expand more over in Canada, or at least pave the way for expansion in Canada. Yes, yes. They were doing pretty well through 2015, but in 2016 and the beginning of 2017, their revenues came in a little under what their projections had said. Mm -hmm. So they started looking at new options to update their remaining restaurants, basically cutting the cost to do so in half. So they had already renovated a lot of restaurants. They looked Mm -hmm. at what they did and they said, how can we do that? for these other locations, but for less money. Yes, and that is what they're currently doing. By the end of 2017, they topped $10 billion in global sales and profits. That's a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Also, we're still gaining a lot of growth on their Twitter account. Just People (laughs) just were like, this is real funny. I like it. Mm -hmm. By the middle of 2018, Wendy's was the third largest fast food chain. They had over 57,000 employees, and their assets were almost $9.5 billion. That's a lot of money. Mm Mm-hmm. And over half of their restaurants were franchises, 77% of them, actually. Now that same year, they also were getting sales dropping again. Uh, A lot of fast food restaurants were. Yeah, so this was not just for Wendy's. This was an industry-wide kind of decline in going to fast food. Yeah, fast food restaurants were honestly having issues getting their lower-income consumers Mm -hmm. to visit them, which is why we've got all of these dollar menus, and then deals beyond the dollar menus, so four for four or variations on dollar menu deals, Mm -hmm. to try to get that traffic and then try to get people to stay coming in. 
they they don't make as much profit on those deals as they do on like the mushroom Swiss burger or sure. the baconator. Yeah, profit margins are lower, but sometimes you got to do anything to get a customer in through the door. Yeah, so it wasn't just getting the customers, but it was customer retention. Mm-hmm. Some of the things that they've been doing to try to improve customer retention is starting mobile ordering. Mm. And on that mobile ordering app, you can also get offers for deals. So it's kind of like a loyalty program. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, hey, we see you bought meals from us on five different occasions. Your next one's going to be half off or something like that. Yeah. And then also they're incentivizing their franchisors to open new restaurants uh, where they pay 11.5% of the royalties to those franchisors for two years mm. so that they can get more growth and more profits without necessarily having to build those stores themselves. You know, we talked a lot about how the management where they were rapidly trying to expand, how how that ended up being disruptive. Wendy's continues to have changes in management, but it hasn't been nearly as uh, traumatic. Yeah, they've been announced and they've done succession planning once again mm-hmm. to make sure that those new CEOs are, are set up for success. Yeah. That kind of wraps up where Wendy's has been and how they were able to get through this. I mean, I'd say that the big brink moments were these kind of major acquisition deals as well as, I mean, obviously Dave Thomas's passing was mm-hmm. a big, big part of it. But to me, it was when the company was going through this kind of crazy period of mergers and acquisitions and, you know, selling things off and spinning things off, often at a, a significant loss, it felt like the company had really lost its way and has since kind of recentered itself. little update about Tim Hortons. <laughs> I mean, obviously, we could do a full episode on them, too. But Tim Hortons recently has been acquired by Burger King. Hmm. So they went from Wendy's to Burger King. Uh, it's actually a Canadian holding company called Restaurant Brands International that owns both franchises. So you could argue that a Canadian company now owns Burger King. The merger deal was for more than $10 billion. Mm-hmm. And once again, you have Canadians who are saying, well, there goes the neighborhood. Although a lot of them have also said that Tim Hortons hasn't been the same since, since? the Wendy's days. I can't personally <laughs> say. I've never been to a Tim Hortons. I have. But I've only been to Tim Hortons like three times, so I can't tell you what it was like before and after because I don't have enough experience to be able to to say so. Well, we do have some other fun facts uh, just to round out this episode. My favorite is that the Frosty has been on Wendy's menu since day one, and they sell about 300 million of them a year. I imagine it's a little more expensive than when it was when it was first on the menu. Certainly. Mm. Certainly. Although they do occasionally give out those keychains where you can get a ton of Frosties for real cheap. Good to know, especially right now because we're it, we're recording this while there's a heat wave it's in Atlanta. So it's so hot. It's guys. so hot, guys. All right. Uh, it, and it's also warm in the studio because they shut the AC down in it's our office so building. It's so hot. Yeah, yeah. So we're both like probably jonesing for a Frosty right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one thing we did want to mention, though, was that Dave Thomas uh, being adopted himself – he always was a proponent for supporting causes to help kids get adopted and, in fact, founded a foundation to help with those sort of things. And uh, it's one of those facts that I think a lot of people don't know about him. Yeah. I also read some some interviews with his kids where they said he was a little bit distant, too, just because he, he loved his family. Mm-hmm. But he— 
he didn't have a lot of experience spending a lot of time with family. Yeah. So uh, it's a really interesting Dave Thomas's life overall. There's so much we didn't cover. It's very interesting. Yeah, yeah. It was again since we were focusing on the company and not the person, we didn't want to spend too much time and mm-hmm. give our producer Tyler a 75-minute episode that he's going to have to whittle down. Oh, good point. We should wrap this up. Yeah. So if uh, that does wrap up our story about Wendy's, thank you again, for Emily. the Emily, for the suggestion. We greatly appreciate it. We've got more suggestions coming in. We welcome all of those because that tells us what you guys want to hear. We've got some ideas for some uh, upcoming episodes. In fact, our next one that we'll be recording is another listener suggestion. But if you guys have any uh, suggestions of your own that you want to share with us, how would they How would they get in touch with us? Well, they could email us at feedback at the brinkpodcast.show. And I do read those and I do respond. Yes, Ariel's very good at that. I am not, but Ariel's <laughs> very good at it. And you can also visit our website. That's thebrinkpodcast.show. There you're going to find an archive of all of our episodes so you can see what we've already published. You can also find out a little bit more about your beloved hosts. And uh, that's it. Until next time, I am Jonathan Strickland. And I'm Ariel Kasten. The Brink is a production of iHeartRadio and How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings for the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.